Hello, I'm Jonathan Smith. I'm the lead pastor at One Church TO, and you're listening to the teaching time from our weekend gathering. We're an imperfect community of over 70 nationalities and five generations who are attempting to follow and shine Jesus in the greater Toronto area. Our vision, it's so simple. We want to help people from all walks of life know God, love people, and in turn, impact our city for good. We've designed these weekends to be meaningful, challenging, and encouraging, and I hope that's what you get from listening. As we continue our series, Rewire. Now, this is a series for our community that we're inviting the power of the Holy Spirit, the truth of Scripture, and the encouragement of community to rewire us or transform us. So there's a scripture found actually in Luke, the gospel of Luke chapter two, verse 52. And it says this about Jesus, that, and Jesus matured, growing up in both body and spirit, blessed by both God and by people. Uh, It's interesting. So he's maturing and growing. He's 12 years old when this verse is said about him and he's becoming a man. And he's maturing relationally, and this is part of our Rewire series. He's maturing physically, he's maturing emotionally, he's developing, he's changing, he's transforming, he's growing up. Now the word that's used there for mature is an interesting little word. The originally, the Gospels or the Scriptures in the New Testament were written in Greek. It means to advance. And what Luke is trying to say is, is that Luke was advancing, And in its purest interpretation of that word, it means lengthened by hammering. Doesn't life sometimes feel like that? It feels like sometimes life hammers at us. And sometimes it actually lengthens us to become more resilient and robust. And sometimes it stretches us so we feel like Bilbo Baggins in The Lord of the Rings when he said this. He said, why I feel all thin... Sort of, sort of stretched, if you know what I mean, like butter that has been scraped over too much bread. Do you ever feel like that? You know, when you're thin, you're often your worst version of yourself. You know what it's like when you're so thin, anything could tip you. In this series, we're talking about maturing and advancing and developing so that when things hammer us in life, they actually become tools in God's hands to fashion us in the image of God. The Apostle Paul said it this way to a church in Colossae. He said this, the mystery in the nutshell is just this. Christ is in you. So if you're a follower of Jesus, this is good news. Christ is in you. So therefore, you can look forward to sharing God's glory. It's that simple. We preach Christ. We teach in the spirit a profound common sense. Sometimes that's what's missing in some people's spiritual journey. Profound common sense. We teach in the mystery of profound common sense so that we can be, bring each person to, say it with me, maturity. Maturity. To be mature is to be basic. Christ, no more, no less. So that's what this series is about. We're acknowledging that all of us have faulty wiring. We're in this together. So this is not a series that's pointed at you. This is a, point, a series that's pointed at all of us. We all need, and there's a gap between where Jesus is and us, and we want to mature into the image of Jesus. So let's rewire emotionally. Let's rewire emotionally today. Now, I'm going to tell you the next step right away, and then we're going to jump into the teaching. The next step is, I want to invite you to come back next week after our teaching. Uh, we're, going to have, we're going to show a movie. It's a movie called Inside Out. How many have ever seen that movie? I, d- I saw it late last year. So I'm, we're at home. 
there's nothing on. Someone in the family said, we should watch Inside Out. I didn't want to right away because I saw it was about emotions. I avoid these. These are not fun for me. I don't find them entertaining. And also, too, I have young adults in the house, and it's like I left car seats and diapers behind a long time ago. I don't want to watch an animated movie. But as I watched it, it was so insightful, so amazing. I, I noticed, I learned how emotional memories formed, how traumas formed. I actually, if you saw the movie, I know the character I am in the movie, and I'm Joy, and I'm not always helpful. I thought I was always helpful. But I saw how unhelpful joy can be in certain circumstances. And being an understanding emotion. So we're inviting our church family to come watch this movie. We're serving lunch. You can register for it today at Next Steps or online and have a conversation about your emotions. Something we all love to talk about, right? Yeah, not me. Okay. Well, let's jump into it because I can't avoid it either. We need to jump in. Now, here's the thing about your emotional wiring. As I mentioned, everyone's emotional wiring is a little faulty and it usually causes you to do one of two extremes. You either bottle them all up or you spill them all out. Either extreme puts emotions in the driving seat of your life. And that's not always healthy. Now, you need to really do the work to determine what type of family you were raised in. See, depending on the family you were raised in, or even the church tradition you were raised in, you know, you, you might have been led to believe that there are right emotions and there are wrong emotions. There are ways you should feel, there's ways you shouldn't feel. Be happy, don't be sad. Uh, be, be at peace, don't be anxious. That somehow there are right and wrong emotions. I was raised in a very low emotive family. There were not a lot of highs and there were not a lot of lows. There wasn't a lot of anger, there wasn't a lot of joy. It was just like, we're kind of emotionally, and this means I'm very uncomfortable in highly emotive situations. Very uncomfortable. It's outside of my realm of comfort. I went to see a counselor years ago, and he started, he sat down, and I'd never been, and I'm sitting with a counselor, and so I'm a little nervous, like, what's going to happen here? And uh, he just said, how, you, how do you feel? And I thought, well, you know, in my world, I have like three options. I'm either happy, mad, or sad. Now, if I'm at church, I'm blessed. I'll add that one to be spiritual. But I, I was none of those things, so I felt like I didn't, I don't know. I don't know how I'm feeling. And he passed me a sheet that looks something like this. This is a list of emotions. <laughs> I had four options, including the Christian blessed version, but really three emotions I knew about. I held that sheet. I remember looking up from the sheet, looking at him. He said, I feel like an emotional kindergartner. I have the emotional vocabulary to say, I'd like a drink. Can I have a cookie? Can I go to potty? But I did not have an emotional vocabulary to have some sort of intelligent conversation about my emotions. I didn't know how I feel. This is why I love the emoji cons when they came out. I love emojis. I love emojis because they're simple. I can look at the picture and say, yeah, I feel that. Like some days I feel this way, happy. Some days I feel this way, sad. Sometimes in life, we all want to feel this way, cool and calm and confident but we end up feeling maybe this way, overwhelmed, anxious, even insecure. Ah, listen, I want to feel this way, cheerful. Sometimes I feel this way. Sometimes you feel this way. And even at times you feel this way. 
But as I sat across from that counselor and he asked me how I felt, I felt this way. <laughs> Numb. I didn't feel happy or sad. I didn't feel grief or joy. And if you've ever been in that seat, you know it's incredibly uncomfortable because you just wish you felt something. You wish there was some feeling there, even if it was one that was unwelcomed, at least you'd know, right? We're going to, if you have a Bible, I'm going to invite you to turn to Matthew 26. We're going to look at a very emotional time in Jesus' life. And for some of you, this is a little startling because you don't equate emotions and being emotional with being stable. <laughs> but here we see, if you go through the Gospels, actually, someone's done this. Yeah, uh, uh, psychiatrists and psychologists went through the Gospels and identified that Jesus experienced 39 emotions in Scripture. Now, if you're like me, you didn't know there were 39 emotions, but he did. He encounters a centurion, and he's amazed with his great faith, and he's delighted in him. He's sad as he, as he sits on the Mount of Olives, and he overlooks Jerusalem, and he, and he thinks of all the people who have rejected him. He feels anger towards the religious leaders who elevate tradition over transformation of people's lives. He feels great joy when the 72 disciples come back to him and talk about how God used them powerfully. And of course, he weeps at the grave of his friend Lazarus. I mean, Jesus feels all of these emotions. And I think the life of Jesus and the fact that they're included in Scripture are to help us realize that emotions are not associated with being weak. They're associated with being human. God made us to be people who have emotions. You and I are meant to experience emotions. Emotions, and here's what I invite you to do in this, the beginning of this message. Forget the idea that there are wrong emotions and right emotions. There aren't. Just get that kind of narrative out. I'll talk, we need to determine how do we manage them, but it's not like there's wrong emotions and there's right emotions. There are your emotions, and you are meant to feel them. And God, Jesus, felt 39 of them. At least that's what we see in Scripture here. And emotions come from a Latin word. I, I went online, and sometimes I'll, when I'm pronouncing a word for you, I'll go on YouTube, and I'll listen to it over and over. But this Latin word, they roll the R, and I cannot roll an R for the life of me. And so I decided I'm going to spare you me trying this. But this, this word means literally to move. God created emotions to move you. I'd like you to think of an emotion as a vehicle. Every emotion is moving you somewhere. The question is, where is it taking you? If you get into the vehicle of anxiety, where is that anxiety taking you? If you get into the vehicle of anger, where is your anger actually taking you? Where is your loneliness taking you? Where is your guilt or your shame taking you? Every time you experience an emotion, you're getting in a vehicle, and that emotion is going to take you on a journey. There's no question about it. They're designed to move you. They're designed to take you somewhere. So emotions are an important part of the human experience. So in Matthew chapter 26, Jesus is in the Garden of Gethsemane, and he's been on quite an emotional journey here. It's already been an emotional evening. He's just had the Last Supper with his disciples. Judas has already left him to betray him. He already knows. He knows what's coming for him. He knows he's going to be arrested. He knows he's going to be beaten. He knows he's going to be crucified. So he knows what's coming for him in this moment. And we see, we're going to pick it up in verse 36. Here's what it says. 
says, then Jesus went with them to the olive garden called Gethsemane. And he said, sit here while I go over to pray. He took Peter and Zebedee's two sons, James and John, and he became anguished and distressed. He told them, my soul is crushed with grief to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. Jesus is emotionally overwhelmed here. I know we can have our pristine kind of Mr. Rogers version of Jesus, but Jesus is experiencing a lot of motion. He says, my soul is crushed with grief to the point of death. I wonder how many Christians would try to talk him out of this. Oh, Jesus, listen, listen, don't you know God has a plan for your life? Smile, God loves you. Or how many would come with a little Romans 8.28 action? Jesus, don't you know all things work together for good for those who love him, who are called according to his purpose? Have a little faith here, Jesus. Have a little faith here. I hope you hear Jesus' words here. And in this account, I hope it frees some of you who feel a lot of pressure in Christianity to be happy all the time. I hope you see in your Savior, in your Lord, he experienced a great spectrum of emotions as we all do. They're not right or wrong, they are. They are what we feel in these moments. The challenge is, of course, we do one of two things as I mentioned earlier. We can bottle up our emotions. Now, I'm not gonna ask for any sort of show of hands, but there are those of us who would rather bottle up all of our emotions. And if you bottle up your emotions, just know this, eventually they will come out. They're almost like a bottle of pop. And life shakes you around and throws you around. And when, you, when finally the top comes off, boom. So when you bottle up your emotions, often it'll come with some sort of explosion. Could be anger, likely and often anger. Or it works into your behaviors. Some of you, that's why you drink too much. For some of you, that's why you compulsively look at pornography. You think pornography is the problem. Pornography is not the problem. There is something that is causing you to look for comfort in it, and you're controlled by it. For some of you, it's why you practice retail therapy. And it makes you, yeah, I heard someone in the front row, you can't hear online, yeah. <laughs> you know, and for, us, for, those, for some of us, it's why we eat ice cream and we just leave the spoon in the carton because we're gonna be back soon for it. For some of us, that's why we move from relationship to relationship and we can never commit. For some of us, that's why we yell and scream too much. And we even promise those around us and ourselves, I'm not gonna do that again. And before you know it, boom. You see, the truth is that when we emotionally bottle things up, scripture says that what's in the heart will always come out. And it comes out and either erupts or it moves, if it doesn't erupt, because maybe you're really good at controlling yourself, it will always work itself into your behaviors. The second thing is, though, there's, there's not just those who bottle up their emotions, there's those who spill out their emotion, uh, emotions. They dominate you. They control you. You're used to, when you feel something, it must be right. And you make all kinds of judgments about people off of an emotion. You make judgments about God or church or anything off of an emotion as if it was always honest and always right. For some of us who are more like this, we spill out our emotions, you know what you need? You, our emotions need a border control. 
You know, I've, I've traveled a lot, and uh, I've noticed something with border guards. Uh, they're never friendly. <laughs> but it's not their job, is it? So you know what it's like when you pull up at the border, even when you're going into the U.S. Last time I, it was last year, I was going down to New York. I was getting away with one of my sons. We were just going to go down there for a quick visit, and we were crossing the border. All the questions, where are you going? Where are you staying? Do you know anyone there? Are you bringing anything into the country? I mean, it's just boom, boom, no. Welcome to the United States of America. <laughs> That's not their job. They're interrogating me. Why? They're trying to control the border of their country. But when you're emotionally overindulgent sometimes, and your emotions just spill everywhere, you need border control. You need to start interrogating some of your emotions. You need to ask them. You know, and maybe this is a big, big thing. You ask them, what are you doing here? How long are you planning on staying? We need to ask, well, what is this anger all about? Or, or, whoa, 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 slow down. What's this drama that's seeping into my life all about? Now, you might say, Jonathan, where is this in the Bible? Glad you asked. Well, here, here it is. We use our powerful God tools, smashing warped philosophies, tearing down barriers, erected against the truth of God, fitting every loose thought and emotion and impulse into the structure of life shaped by Christ. Another older version says to take every thought captive, every impulse, every emotion captive. Why? Because they all need to be interrogated. There needs to be some sort of interrogation that happens. Some emotions, they belong. No, emotions are not wrong, but some of those emotions want to stay in you. Some of them need to pass through you. We experience them but for a moment, and some want to control you, and they want to invade you. This is why the Apostle Paul also says to a church and early Christians in Philippians chapter 4, he says this, fix your thoughts. Why don't we say this together? Because I feel like everybody wants to talk right now. Let's say it together. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. He's encouraging you here that when some emotions and some thoughts come to the border of your life, to wave them on through. You don't need to stop them or interrogate them because their license plate lets you know that they belong to the kingdom of God, that they bring life to you. Now, some of those emotions may not be ones you even want to welcome. Sadness might be coming through, but you know it's right for you to feel it right now because maybe the circumstances of the life are such that that's the one you should wave in. And you trying to suppress it and reject it and keeping it out is not helping you. It's more allowing those things to come into our life and those emotions. But some of them, they do need to be interrogated. So Margaret's going to sing us a song and lead us in a song. And I want to invite you to sing along with us. Because it's filled with truth. And we're going to see in a moment how Jesus handled his emotions. And you're going to understand how valuable truth is to let your emotions either move on or sit under a greater truth. And the truth is, no matter what we're going through, God is good. God is good.
Hallelujah. You can be seated. You know, I love that. With my mind made up, I surrender now. There's something about even, I don't know how you feel, there's something about the arts, and this is why we love the arts in this church, is because the arts are moving. It's words like that that we sing, it moves me. And you need to allow it to move you. You've been, those emotions were given precisely to move you. But where are they moving you is the question. Moving you closer to the person of Jesus. Our emotions are given, and listen, even the emotions you experience in life, they're, they're lights on the dashboard of your life. They're meant to help you gauge where you're at. They're meant to let you know what's going on, to pay attention to what's going on and what direction they're moving you in. So how do you deal with your emotions? Well, in Matthew 26, Jesus models how to deal with his emotions in a way that God can redeem all of our emotions. The first thing you notice in Matthew, you notice this, that Jesus tells his friends how he's feeling and he asks them to stay with him. Do you notice that? Look at verse 38, it says this. He told them, my soul is crushed with grief to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. Stay here and keep watch with me. You know, Jesus is vulnerable with some of his closest friends. It's interesting. He doesn't tell the 12 disciples this. He tells Peter, James, and John, his closest three. There's a lesson here in it. One is you need to share what's going on in your life. You need people in your life you can share with. This is why we talk a lot about community groups. I know that sometimes when I've met people in our church who are just lonely, they're going through things, I'll often ask them, well, where are you serving? Because I notice that people who find a place to serve, they automatically have this community group, these people that care about them. And we have also community groups in this church. I'll say, what community group are you a part of? Because being known is so important. But I do like that he just doesn't say randomly share what's going on in your heart and mind with just anybody. He had only his three, his closest friends. Sometimes when you're an over-sharer of emotions and you spill out everywhere, you'll notice yourself increasingly doing the opposite. People isolate you. They move away from you. Because when they're close to you, this actually builds intimacy as they share what's going on. Sometimes I've shared things with, like Shelly, and I'm embarrassed to share it with her. And it's hard for me to open up my heart because it, my, my family of origin, this was not something we did. Nobody sat down and looked each other in the eye and said, how are you feeling today? It was more like, get out there and do something. <laughs> So it's really hard, but every time I notice that I'm really reticent and embarrassed almost to share, it's built closer intimacy with my best friend, Shelly, or with two or three people I really trust in this life. But if you overshare with people that don't know you too well, it feels dangerous to them, and they begin to walk away. So he's modeling something here, and it takes strength to do this. It takes courage. It takes humility to do this. Jesus is saying to Peter, James, and John, he's saying, guys, I'm overwhelmed. Would you stay here with me? Would you stay with me? I think there's a tendency in all of us to want to be alone. Like we get in the vehicle of anxiety and we don't want to share the ride. We want an Uber by ourselves. We, we want to be all by ourselves. But Jesus tells his friends, I need you. If Jesus needs his friends... Like, how good are you that you don't? How strong are you really? There's something in the way Jesus manages his emotions here that's important for all of us. So he 
tells his close friends how he's feeling, and he asks them to stay with us. And the second thing he does is Jesus elevates his faith over his feelings. It's pretty interesting here when you look at it. He aligns his feelings to what God wants, and he aligns his feelings to what is actually true. Notice this in verse 39, the next verse. He said, he went on a little further and bowed with his face to the ground, praying, my father, if it is possible, let this cup of suffering be taken away from me. Yet I want your will to be done, not mine. I want you to notice this. Jesus is honest about his feelings. He's not telling God the Father what he thinks he wants to hear. He's honest about how he feels. Uh, God, I, I, don't, I don't want any part of this. <laughs> and he's honest about that. He's sharing where he's at, but he also acknowledges that his feelings are not necessarily the actual truth of what he needs to exercise or act on. Sometimes you need to hear this. If, you're, if you spill your emotions a lot and you're a little overindulgent with your emotions, you need to remember that because I think, I think sometimes following your feelings is a priority in your life. I think sometimes we prioritize the voice of our emotions a little too much sometimes in life. But if you bottle everything up, I want you to see Jesus being very honest about what he's feeling here in life. Not holding it down. Sharing it appropriately. Where, what is it? But all of his feelings are coming back to a place where he's saying, but what, what do you want, God? So you might feel like staying in bed. You might, feel, you, you might feel like punching a hole in the wall. You might feel sorry for yourself. You might feel like avoiding social situations. You might feel lonely in your marriage. You might even feel like stepping outside of your marriage to find a connection or comfort. You might feel like running up credit card debt. And I'm not going to stand on this platform and tell you you shouldn't feel that way. That feeling's real. And if I sat where you sat, if I experienced what you sat, I might feel the same thing. So I'm not going to say that you shouldn't feel this way. I'm going to say you need to ask yourself, where is that emotion going to take you, though? You need to ask yourself. It's not about dismissing or repressing that feeling. That feeling is real. But where is it going to take you? What you need to remember is what you feel is real. What you feel is real, but what is real may not be true. What you feel is real... But what is real may not be true. You might say, Jonathan, I'm lonely, and that's real. But if you're a follower of Jesus, it's not entirely true. Because he said, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. I've not left you of orphans. I've adopted you into a family. You now have brothers and sisters. But I don't feel, I know your feeling is real but it's not necessarily true. If you feel shame and guilt, this, this may be a very real feeling in your life, but if you're a follower of Jesus, it's not true. Because there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. You have been set free of the law and shame, it says in Scripture. That's true. So you follow the example of Jesus. You're honest with your emotions. And then you align your emotions to what God says is truest, what is right about your life. And if you follow the story of Jesus in this account in Gethsemane, he prays on his face. It could be anywhere scholars believe from an hour to three hours he's praying. And then the soldiers come. 
But when they come, do they find Jesus on his face anymore? No, no, no. He's standing, resolute, ready, determined, strong. So much so that he says he set his face towards the cross. Where did he get that strength? We remember where he was just a few short verses ago. Where did he get that strength? So resolute, so determined, ready to stand between us and evil, us and death, ready to take it on himself. Where did that come from? Well, you can see this in the third point. Jesus pours out his emotions to his heavenly father. He does something really great for us here. He shows us how to process our emotions in prayer. He shows us right in this text. In verse 39, he said, he went on a little further, bowed his face to the ground, praying, my father. The gospel of Mark uses the word Abba, which means dad or daddy. Uh, Some of us aren't ready for this because maybe we've been around religion a long time and you're used to really nice, tidy, you know, postured prayers. This is very raw prayer by Jesus. It's very raw. There's no flowers. There's no pomp. There's no pageantry in this prayer. He's basically saying, Dad, I'm hurting here. I'm sad. This is really hard for me. It's an honest prayer. When was the last time you prayed honestly? Like, God, I'm really disappointed in my marriage. God, I'm really angry at my kids. God, I am bitter towards my parents and I can't let it go. God, I'm really anxious right now. I I pose on the outside, but I am scared. God, I feel powerless against the lust in my life. When was the last time you talked to God that way? The truth is, God can only redeem what we release. If we don't release those emotions, if we don't acknowledge them, if we don't pour them out to Jesus, we don't give him the opportunity to redeem them and be at work among them. So as a community, we're going to sing another song before I come back and we're going to pray. Jesus encourages us and we see it in his life and we see it in this account that he told his friends. He told his friends, he asked them to stay with him. He elevates his faith over his feelings. And then he pours out his emotions to his heavenly father. So we're going to sing, come on hard. And I'm going to ask you to differentiate between what is real and what is true in this moment. You meant what you're feeling is real, but what is true? Just because it's real doesn't mean it's not true doesn't mean it's true and allow this song to speak into your heart let it wash over your heart we're going to come back and pray we've got plenty of time here but i want you to use this song as a prayer now so let's sing this song come on heart
set my feet on true What has started as a scene Is now rising up in me yeah. You speak into my heart And tell me who I am The whisper of your promise Now a mighty
So depending on our generation here, we've probably been raised differently around emotions. If you're younger, you've been taught to embrace them. You've been taught to let them lead you. And I hope you hear in the story of Jesus that God is a better leader than your emotions. Don't deny them. They're useful. They're meant to move you. Always ask though, where is this taking me? If you're a Gen Xer or a boomer in this room, you were taught to actually bottle them up. <laughs> emotions were needless inconveniences. <laughs> but I hope you see in the story of Jesus that emotion is not associated with weakness or instability. It's associated with being human. And being honest with them actually can be the key to connecting greater to the people that love you in this life. But also, honestly, acknowledging that they're real is actually key to your health. So we need to, though, as we get into the vehicle of our emotions, some of us needs to pull over the car and you need to let Jesus in. But you need to know this before we pray. When you invite Jesus into the emotional vehicle and wherever it's taking you, he's not content to sit in the passenger seat. No, 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 you got to get out. You take the wheel, Jesus. And you go around. And before you get into the passenger seat, though, open the back door and let a couple close friends in. And that, that person that may need to get in the back seat, because you might be in a lot of emotional unhealth, might be a trusted counselor, psychologist, or psychiatrist. Why? why? Well, I've been to counseling. I know how valuable it is how it untangled so many things in my life because I wasn't raised to deal with a lot of this emotional stuff. I was raised to just take mountains. That was what my family was about. And I noticed in life that it's awful hard on you. And sometimes you get hammered and it's not lengthening you. It is making you so thin. Sometimes it's great to pause. Open that back door before you jump in the passenger seat. Let in a close-knit friend where you open up or a trusted counselor. Then you get into that seat. It's, then you acknowledge your emotion. Jesus, I'm angry. Would you take the wheel? Because if I have the wheel, I don't trust where I'm taking this. Jesus, I'm lonely. I acknowledge it. it, it it's real. It may not be true, but it is real. And it's how I feel. So Jesus, I need you to take the wheel. And I guarantee if you're lonely and you're struggling with that and you give Jesus the wheel, he's always going to drive you deeper into community. And it's always uncomfortable to go to areas, especially if you're emotionally on an edge, you want to be all alone. And Jesus says, no, 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 I've designed you to need people. And I know that's not always easy because it's not always easy to trust people. Listen, we need one or two in our lives, but you need Jesus behind the wheel in your life. And all I know, and I ended my message last week with this, and I'll end this one, Jesus goes wherever he's invited. And whatever emotional vehicle you're driving around in right now, if you pull over, Jesus will always get in. So let's pull over the vehicle. Let's pray. Father, we come to you today not as self-sufficient people who have it all together. But as a community, we humble ourselves to say that we have faulty wiring. We have faulty wiring physically and relationally and even mentally. But God, I think we're all aware we are all emotionally, we have faulty wiring. We need to be rewired, transformed. So we invite the power of your Holy Spirit, the truth of scripture, and the encouragement of community to transform us, to mature us emotionally, God.
Lord, as life hammers at us, may it not destroy us, but may it lengthen us so that we are more and more like you, Jesus. So in this moment, I'd invite you into a prayer place where you'd say, God, this is how I feel. And I like to hold my hands out in front of me. You don't have to, but if it's helpful, because it's almost like me showing what I've got. You know, when you, when you have a little child and they run up to you and they say, God, this, or, or, Mom, Dad, this is what I have. Well, this is what I'm feeling right now. So you go ahead and you just share what you're feeling. I'm feeling sad. If I'm honest, I am angry. I'm angry at you, God. Or I'm angry at, at people that are around me right now. I'm angry for injustices that have happened in this life. God, if I'm, if I'm honest, God... I'm happy right now. Whatever your emotion is, just hold it in front of you. God, I acknowledge this is real. This is how I feel. But I also acknowledge there's going to be elements of this that aren't true. God, I pray that you would take the steering wheel of my emotional vehicle. And God, you would take me to places where all the things I'm feeling could be redeemed. I release these things to you because I know you redeem whatever I release. So I acknowledge this and I pray you'd lead me into the path of wholeness and health and I leave it with you now. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening. If you found this helpful, we hope you join us at one of our campuses if you're in the GTA for a weekend gathering. If you're listening from somewhere else in the world, we'd encourage you to join us at onechurch.to slash live. We believe everyone can be a part of what Jesus is doing both in our community and in our city. So if you'd like to connect with us at a deeper level, visit us at onechurch.to slash next steps. See you next time.